This is the Brisbane Football Review with your host, James Coglin. It's a miracle this got off the ground in the first place. Scott Owen. Adam, that's Park Dupree. Put some respect on the home of Queensland football. And Adam Pace. Look, I think what other choice do you have? Starting now. Hello everyone, it's time for another edition of the Brisbane Football Review and it is a Socceroos recap special after the national team had their farewell before this November's World Cup with a two-game series against New Zealand, which Australia won 3-0 on aggregate, including two vital away goals at Eden Park. It was fantastic to see an Australian side actually able to win at New Zealand's main stadium. It is James, Scott, Adam and Alex here with you on this Wednesday evening. Scott, how are you? I'm good. Do you want to send some tips to that other Australian team which can't win at Eden Park? The joke has crossed my mind many a times. Adam, how are you going? Just send them the tape. It's possible. No, I'm good for, for Wednesday. And Alex, welcome back. It's been a while since we've had you on the show. It is. It, uh, it has been indeed, but uh, it's good to be back and it's good to be able to uh, talk to you all about our mighty Socceroos uh, being in town for a couple of days and a couple of good victories to send them off to the World Cup with. Well, it's been, I want to say, three and a half, four years since we've seen the Socceroos at Suncorp Stadium. So the first question for you, Alex, how weird was it? Um, well, considering that I wasn't here for the 2018 game, it's actually 11 years since I've seen them at Suncorp. <laughs> oh, no, sorry. No, no, Asian Cup. Uh, I forgot about that. But it's been a long time. And, uh, yeah, I look, I kept turning to my mates and just saying, uh, if this is a dream, don't pinch me because I'm enjoying it too much. So, Well, g- given some of the moments in that game, I would have been saying I'm sorry. Right, Scott? It wasn't the greatest of games, was it, in terms of the way the game played out. But I want to give football state credit for the spectacle they tried to create before the game. The 100-year celebration stuff was really, really good. It just fell a bit flat, both with the um, performance on the field, which wasn't the best, and maybe also the crowd figure wasn't as much as you would have liked. But you get to give them credit for trying to create a really special moment ahead of what is a really big World Cup coming up. Yeah, and they went all out in the production of the game. It was, you know, quite a cool pregame show. It did feel a little bit muted in terms of atmosphere, but I still maintain that the conditions surrounding the game probably weren't great either. It was a Thursday with most of the players having flown into Brisbane maybe 48 hours beforehand, and it was not a pleasant night. It was stupidly humid, Adam. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, but overall, you can see that you know, Football Australia really tried to make an occasion. But yeah, you're right. I think the the conditions, the game itself, I think get yeah, sort of the look twenty five thousand. You know, for a football game, not usually we're not complaining about that. But I think for the national men's team, I think yeah, twenty five thousand or fifty percent of the capacity at a major stadium, uh, it, it is, it does feel a little disappointing, but uh, look, all in all, the, the occasion was, it was, was okay. I think, you know, it, it sort of, you know, it, it, it's all merited, but it, it, you're right. I think falling flat might be a good, uh, good sort of word to describe. So, sort of, you know, the, the summary of, of the whole occasion. The um, crowd was very similar to the Matildas. I think it was a couple of hundred more than what the Matildas got a few weeks prior, but that, that just felt like a better atmosphere that first game, James, and the second one, it was just a bit flat, which was odd given the occasion and the fact we haven't seen them here for so long. 
Well, on that as well, the Matildas game, it was on a lovely Saturday afternoon from memory as well. This game kicked off at 8 p.m. like on a Thursday night on what turned out to be a public holiday as well. And also just it was a friendly. Like that's the point I kept making as well. I had little to no expectations in terms of what to expect in terms of quality. I thought it probably was going to be a little bit of a letdown in terms of an entertaining contest, especially considering the drama of the last time we saw the Socceroos on the pitch, which was phenomenal, in, at least in the ending. But overall, Alex, it it did probably have a few things working against it. But, yeah, you were in the crowd. How was it for you? Because for us, where we were sitting, we couldn't quite get a great grasp of the atmosphere. Oh, that cuts a little bit deep because I was down in the active end uh, trying to make a bit of atmosphere. <laughs> but... Well, we were, we were behind windows, and I will say the press box at Suncorp Stadium is very well insulated. Yeah, and probably for all those poor New South Welshmen that travel up here, um, me being one. Um, but anyway, let's not talk about that. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, so look, uh, look, I'm obviously going to be quite biased and say it was loud because, you know, I was standing right next to a drum and uh, a young bloke with a megaphone and uh, someone who accidentally ripped a flare and threw it onto the ground and got escorted out. But let's not talk about who did what and who's to blame. Um, and it wasn't me, FYI. Um, no, look. We're going to need yeah. proof of this. Uh, yeah, I'll get Liam to send some video footage to you uh, <laughs> at a later date, and hence why he's not here. Uh, but look, you, you know, we, uh, down in the active end, we did try and uh, generate as much uh, atmosphere as we could. Um, it ebbed and flowed, and, and it is quite difficult, um, particularly when it's, you know, a 20, 25,000 turnout, as you said uh, before, Adam, in a 50,000 capacity stadium. But, uh, look, I, I, th I think it was okay. Um, you know, the, um, the Matildas game had a little bit more, I guess, electricity around it, probably just because it was a Saturday afternoon, Thursday night on a public holiday, probably didn't really help with the atmosphere as was covered earlier. But an eight o'clock kickoff as well. That's a long yeah. day. Yeah, and um, considering that it was a school day the next day or work Well, school day. holidays. Yeah, work, work day. Work day, than... sorry. Yes, yeah. So, um, you know, it, uh, I presume there would have been a few sickies um, considering looking around in the crowd at, at some point. So um, I definitely but, took one. Yeah. Uh, you and half of Brisbane, I think. Yeah, I was also a part of that. So, um, anyway, but yeah, isn't listening. It, it was yeah. And one point you brought up, Scott, which I want to uh, come back to now, uh, was the fact that these farewell games haven't always been the big hits that maybe the governing body would have been hoping for as well. There was a um, 2014 farewell in Sydney where they played South Africa, and that was a little bit of a let down as well that like that game was just shocking from memory in terms of quality and it needed uh tim cahill goal to really spark things up 2010 was a big hit but more in terms of um australian tackles as opposed to the occasion as well so that, well, that was a new zealand game at the mcg where they were right. now trying to break legs and that footage went all around the world and all of a sudden australia is an over physical team and we saw the impact that had but i think people compare back to the greece game in 2006 when you had yeah. The European champions up against Australia, who had 
just qualified for the first time in three decades. The big Greek population in Australia. It was a massive occasion. It was always going to be a massive occasion. I think everyone looks at that as the gold standard and the games since haven't quite met that. I don't think there was much difference between this game and the South Africa game that you mentioned in terms of the occasion and the interest level. I think, I think, sorry, I was just going to say, I think the farewell game, I think it's a bit of a cliche now because obviously the way the world is sort of changing a little bit now where you're not going to get, you know, a massive, you know, a massive European team or even a South American team for, you know, for whatever reason, usually at this time would be because of, you know, the, uh, the much Nation. described Nations League as well and, and, and whatnot. And obviously it's, it's too far for those South American teams to travel. So I think as well, the, the, the quality of opposition is going to also, it's also suffered as well, because since we've had Greece, we've had, had New Zealand, we've had New Zealand, South Africa, uh, who was the last one? Um, they no, had 2018, they didn't have one. They didn't actually yeah. have one, yeah. They played so, over in Europe. No yeah. I can't remember it. Mm. But yeah, you're and also on that as well, like a couple of interesting comments I saw when uh, when people were discussing the attendance after the game was the fact that a lot of people in Brisbane feel let down by the fact that they haven't been able to get as many Socceroos games as certain other cities a bit further south. And again, I will go into bat and somewhat defend the uh, federation on this because it takes two to tango and get to get games like these in Brisbane. And from what we've been told, despite the best efforts of the governing body, the government have been the ones that have made it really tough to get uh, World Cup qualifiers, anything of substance uh, up to the Sunshine State. But, you know, there's not much you can do about that. What I will say, though, and we covered this before, I really enjoyed that pregame thing, like the naming of the team of the century. Naturally, there was a few complaints about it. There was always going to be, including some omissions. But I love that uh, centenary kit that they uh, released as well, the sky blue one. It's one of the few sky blue jerseys that I like. Um, it's And I quite like the new kicks as well. Um, we'll go to the guy who's wearing a Socceroos kit now, which is Alex. Um <laughs> Why haven't you bought a new Socceroos kit yet? I do. I do. I just popped the uh, 2014 one on. I actually wore the new one at the game as well. So, And I, I actually quite like it. it. It's getting mixed reviews. I don't know what, what you gents have think and have heard out in the streets there. But, um, yeah, I, I quite like it. What are you talking to me for? I haven't bought a Socceroos kit since 2014. Well, uh, to be fair, 2014 was the benchmark of it. But it was a great like... kit. I like the 2005, 6 ones. I think yeah. it's, again, it's more what the team achieves in the kit that makes you remember yeah. it in a nostalgic way, I think. And those it, two have been the most yeah. successful. So It's why I'm a, quite a big fan of the orange and maroon colour palette for the Brisbane Raw from the uh, 2011 grand final over the Mariners. But going back to the Socceroos, yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan of the new kit. I don't mean this in a bad way, but as soon as I saw it, my first two thoughts were it has a little bit of South Africa or Cameroon vibes to it as well with the different shade of green on the shorts, Adam. That's Australian green and gold. Don't you forget it. (laughs) (laughs) That's still a line from a very, very well-known comedian. But look, um, yeah, look, at the end of the day, I think it's – it's it, it is what it is. You know, people are going to like it. People are not going to like it. The um, away kit, which generally I'm I'm the connoisseur of, because like I said, you can only have so many green, you know, home green and gold kits in in your wardrobe. But yeah, the away kits, um, yeah, that that one's a bit more polarizing. I just uh, I've still got a 
I'm not I'm not the biggest fan of it, but then again, it took me a while to um, get used to the 2018 um, uh, away kit as well. So, look, it, it'll probably grow on me, but, uh, yeah, look, it's, a, it's a national team kit. It is what it is. I, I quite like going back to the navy blue style as well. The only thing I don't like on it is that weird little bib thing that's part of the Nike template uh, for those shirts. If they got rid of that, I probably would have bought one already, but that's just me. Alex? Yeah, I agree. Um, and it, yeah, it, the Nike template is such a good way of putting it because I think I saw the English training kit looks very similar to our away kit, but just obviously with the English colours as opposed to, to ours. So um, yeah, that whole bib set up, mm, not for me. Yeah. I, I'm, um, yeah, I, I know I will wind up buying both kits anyway because. Um, it's going to be I, – I just get every single Socceroos World Cup kit since 2006, and if I had a way of finding the 20, uh, the 1974 one, I probably would as well. But that's because I'm a sucker for these sorts of things. I don't, one thing I, I think the only place that the 1974 one, I think, is in the, uh, is in the museum. I don't think that – I really don't think there is one, if, if, I mean, if I'm being serious. So I'd, yeah. Although, there, are, there are replica ones. I've yeah. Got, I've got the replica one from okay. um, the Johnny Warren Foundation, I believe. Ah, yes. So, yep. Yeah. And also we did see as well the Socceroos uh, have put out some of the old replica kits, including the Spew kit and the 1993 Sash one. Spew kit. Mm. Yeah. Look, it's sold out, FYI. There's no accounting for taste. <laughs> okay. it, it, it's like it's. I think it's like a car crash. You just can't look away from it. Yeah, it's not for me. Probably won't be buying one. I would love to get one of those like um, turn of the millennium uh, Adidas ones, though, because they were quite nice as well. Anyway, we probably should talk about the games themselves because there is a World Cup coming up in oh I don't know two months. So. We'll quickly go around uh, the Brisbane game as well because we've already touched on it a little bit. Starting with you, Alex, who who helped their case and who harmed their case? Ooh, from both games or from Brisbane? Start, start with start with Brisbane because Brisbane. it is two separate squads. Yeah. Yeah. No. Oh, yeah. Good. Good call. Um, I would say Alamobile pretty much. Well, I mean, he was pretty much a certainty anyway, but uh, I think he certainly helped with the way he played. Uh, who harmed? their spot i'm gonna go out and let say adam target yep okay scott what are, what about you none of them helped their case because all, all those players are going to the world cup they arnold's already said he's going to trust the players who got them there so i don't think any of them really needed to help their case in terms of players who hurt their case i agree with alex about adam taggart i thought he was anonymous and i think if it was if he was playing for a spot in the starting lineup at the world cup i think he missed his chance if he was playing for a spot in the squad altogether he might have some bad news coming to him. So I think he was – I liked him at the Raw, but I don't think it worked for him on Thursday. The other one who I thought had a really average game was Trent Sainsbury at the back. <laughs> that, and I think if, yeah. if Harry Sutar is fit, I think there's a real chance that he may miss out on the the 23 or 26, which you wouldn't have said a while ago, but I don't think he did himself any favours either. Adam? Yeah, look, I, I um, look, I agree that um, yeah, of that game, of those squad in Brisbane, though, those who played in that game, mo- most of them will be picked. Uh, it, yeah, irrespective, I think they're they're in the top sort of you know, in the in the top you know, 
19, 20 players. I think Graham Arnold, I think really sort of, you know, has got his heart set on barring sort of, you know, injuries or anything else. I think, I think realistically going into the series, there's probably six spots up for grabs. And yeah, I think uh, those, those that, um, I don't think there's any enhancements on, on uh, from that first game, but you're right. Look, I agree with both Alex and uh, Scott that uh, definitely Adam Taggart and Trent Saints, we could possibly have uh, played themselves out of the squad, especially based on some of the performances in the uh, turnaround game three days later in Auckland. Well, that is a perfect segue into the game in Auckland, where unlike the day before, an Australian team recorded a win over New Zealand. It was a 2-0 victory in the end, and I'm going to lead off for this one because I didn't get a chance to go in with the Brisbane one because, well, I let you well, guys who, take who, all my Who answers. do you think did improved or didn't improve then, James? Well, I would say Mobile in terms of just establishing himself as a key player and Sainsbury and Taggart both harmed their cases. Now, over to Eden Park, I thought there were the two obvious ones of uh, Garen Quall and Jason Cummings who injected a bit of life into the team. It was a very strange conversation um, I had on Sunday afternoon trying to explain Jason Cummings' nickname to my brother. <laughs> That's still off limits on this show, by the way. Yes. <laughs> oh, right. Okay. Let's call him CD for short. Yes. Yeah, okay. Brilliant. Just, yeah. Anyway, uh, and then we're, uh, in terms of also helping their case, I thought overall the back line was quite solid, but Thomas Deng in particular, he was the other standout uh, name for me on, the, on that in terms of guys who at least should be getting onto their, um, getting onto their, uh, ca- case into building a case to at least go to Qatar in the 26 man squad. Let's start with Adam for Eden Park as well. Yeah, look, I think um, the Grand Qual definitely. I think he brings the X fact a bit like the Azani 2018 version before he, he sort of, you know, went off the rails a little bit afterwards. But uh, so definitely he um, he showed in about 10 minutes, you know, what he's capable of. Look, Jason Cummings, I'm still, you know, I'm, I'm still really on the fence with him as far as whether I think that, you know, for a for a, for a ticket on the plane to Qatar, uh, yeah, look, that, that's uh, that's awkward, but I wouldn't be disappointed if he didn't get picked, but I wouldn't be... I, I wouldn't be unhappy if he did get picked. I think uh, he obviously does. I think it's very hard to sort of see. Obviously, he scored a penalty, probably should have scored a goal uh, if it wasn't uh, deliberately handled in the box to make that in that second goal. But, um, yeah, look, also I agree that Thomas Deng uh, was, also a, um, was also a standout. And I think we also got, got reminded to a certain point that Andrew Redmayne is actually a bit more valuable than just a... Um, a wiggling, uh, penalty-stopping uh, goalkeeper. I actually think he actually has a bit of um, that. He actually has got a bit of goalkeeping skill, and I think he'll be a good. Obviously, Matt Ryan's number one, undisputedly. But you know, certainly, you now if something happens to Ryan between now and the World Cup, I think Redmayne might be a good you know, case to at least you know, to be back up at least number two. Yeah, definitely. He was um, he was outstanding. I thought. Um, and yeah, he he certainly cemented his spot as a number two. You'd you'd imagine, um, and and yeah, quite handy, obviously, with the ball at his feet as well, playing out from the back, and um, you know, mopping up uh, the the mistakes of the back line, organising the back line, um, and and going forward from there. I I, I definitely agree that um, Thomas Deng uh, really 
put himself into Arnie's thoughts uh, to to get a, a ticket to Qatar. So uh, even Delbridge next to him was pretty good. Um, he didn't get a red card, which was amazing. Um, uh, I, I was in shock. But yeah, D- Deng was a standout out of the two for me. Um, and Arnie, I think, certainly does uh, like him. He was his captain uh, at the Olympics. So I thought he was quite good. Um, Denny Jonro. You know, cleaned up quite well. Some passes astray. Oh, I, I want him to make the team, but I don't know if he will. Um, and as for Qual, I agree with, with um, what you've both said, James and Adam, and I'm sure Scott's going to agree as well with us there. He has to go. On uh, Jason Cummins, I'm, I would love him to go. I think he's the character this side needs desperately. Bit of, bit, bit of something, a bit of mongrel about him. He, he's chasing blokes down. He's, he likes a bit of a laugh. He's a bit of a bit of a larrikin. Um, you know, a bit of that old school kind of fella. I, I think he'd be perfect for the squad um, to, to take him to um, Qatar. Scott? Yeah, I'm not going to speak much about Garen Qual because you said it needs to be said. He needs to be on the plane. If he's not there, it's a disgrace. I would take Jason Cummings as well. I'd take him over Taggart, that's for sure, based on their performances in the last two games. I agree, agree about Tommy Deng as well. I thought he was the standout defender on the field in that game for Australia. I like the midfield too, particularly Connor Metcalf. He, he had a really, really nice game in the middle of midfield. So I do think he was good. I also think Marco Tilio was very good as well. Missed the side for the miss yeah, he had in the uh, first half. Apart from that, I thought he was very solid as well. So there's some really nice young attacking talent there that hopefully Graham Arnold might actually use the World Cup. We can only hope. And there is a lot to uh, happen between now and then. I think, uh, do either of you guys know when the squad submission deadline is for the World Cup? Uh, I think it's a week out from the first game. Is that all? I'm, pr- I'm pretty it's sure. Pretty close I saw it. To it, yeah. It's really close, yeah, because I did see something with Arnie's, um, uh, one of his interviews after the game, and he, he said he's going to leave it till the very last minute to to um, uh, to name it. But uh, the the actual date uh, escapes my memory. I think it was was it November ten, maybe. It would probably make it, it probably be submitted sense. by the thirteenth of November. Okay. okay, there we go. What's yeah? And I, you can I take would players think that COVID up till twenty four hours before your first game. See if, see, if I was a good host, I would have looked that up on my phone and had that stat ready to go. But it was much more fun to get this discussion going with you guys. Keep us on, a, on our toes, James, as we as we like to be kept. I That's think it might be they... a case of that this, um, yeah, this World Cup, as far as a lot of things I think are unique as well, the fact that the leagues don't finish until a week before the um, the actual, you know, the tournament, I think it, it sort of allows, you know, any squads that need to do through the injury or whatnot can be sort of, you know, you know sort of players can be sort of replaced without you know, having to go through all that rigmarole. That's a real advantage for Australia as well. Now, we'll do a World Cup preview later, but the fact that we understand how to get to the Middle East and play a game on a few days' notice, James. Something that other nations don't have. That's, so that's a big advantage that we have. Yeah. And look, we can only hope it is an unbelievably unpredictable World Cup. I will be getting in contact with every witch doctor, cursed person, just anyone to put the hoodoos on France and Denmark. Oh, you know why, Alex? Yeah, I'm just ask Matthias Pogba. There we go. Uh-huh. Listen, just don't worry about France. Leave them alone. They're self-destructing right on schedule. And we can only. <laughs> we, need, we need to. We need to rock Denmark or Tunisia. 
Yeah. Well, we can we can only hope the uh, French uh, squad revolution goes the way the attempted revolution in Les Mis did. All right, and and on that note, that's going to be it for this edition of the Brisbane Football Review. Thank you very much, Adam. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thank you, Scott. Good to talk to you again, boys. And thank you very much, Alex. Quick plug for the Queensland Socceroos fans. Yeah, and I've written it down this time. What a what a true professional. On uh, and you've got the paper too. Yeah, I do. Yeah, on Facebook, uh, you can find us at QLD Socceroos fans, all as one word and all in lowercase. On Twitter, the handle is at Socceroos with a couple S, QLD, and the Q is in a capital. Perfect. All right. Well, thank you very much for joining us. We will speak to you again before the 2022 World Cup, which, despite FIFA's best efforts, we're still excited for. So that is going to be a lot of fun. Um, In the meantime, we're going to leave you with some audio from the Brisbane game featuring Graham Arnold and Awa Mobile. Thank you, everyone, for listening, and we'll talk to you later. Sluggish? Yeah, I think um, if there's one thing a little bit disappointed is I thought we lost the physical battle. I thought the, the New Zealanders um, <clears throat> were quite physical, but, you know, Vince, you got to understand, I'm pretty sure you would, but, uh, you know, the uh, boys just arrived and, you know, Milos Degenek arrived yesterday morning and flights out of London have been difficult to get the players out because of you know, cancelled flights or packed flights for, for the Queen's but, um, morning. and uh, But overall, look, I, I did change the way we played, so I only had 10, <clears throat> 10, 15 minutes with the boys yesterday and I tried. Uh, I wanted them to play man-on-man over the whole park to see to get that physical battle. Um, but overall, um, I thought, uh, you know, we should have scored a couple more goals. Um, did you think about, you know, obviously you wanted to field a pretty strong team here tonight for centenary and... Well match and everything, but because everyone arrived so late, did you contemplate, you know, mixing it up a little bit more and, and using some of the guys who didn't travel? Yeah. No, look, I wanted to pretty much reward the boys, help us, the ones who uh, gave a lot of sacrifices and got us through the campaign. And <clears throat> obviously, that's the older group, and uh, they're all staying here or going back straight back home. They're what the starting eleven there, maybe one that will stay, but you know, now it's for the kids. So what did I learn tonight? Yeah, I learned that uh, yeah, the boys, you know, they, they're still working hard. You know, there's uh, some that need to get playing. And uh, as I said, I rewarded the ones for the, the campaign that uh, we got through. But, you know, now it's about what's in front of us. Enjoy the goal. I would yeah. probably the highlight performance overall. Yeah, of course. And I was... Uh, you can see the shape that he's in, you know, even though he's not playing that much in, in Spain, he's still, you know, very fit, very strong. And uh, I was very, very happy for him. But, uh, you know, <clears throat> as I said, we, we, we changed the way we, we, that we played and, and, you know, we tried to, you know, to press them really high with the three front boys and, and, and that. And, you know, the, our chances came from that and pretty much uh, that's what uh, we, we trained on. Oh, they'll be part of the squad. So obviously, thirty-one drops down to twenty, uh, and you know, only two goalkeepers. <clears throat> and as I said, um, the young boys—you can see there's a lot of energy, and there's you know they're, they're desperate to get on that pitch. And uh, you know, I, I'm looking forward to the, see how they go because uh, 
a lot of them I had with the Ollie Roos and uh, <clears throat> I know them obviously well and uh, you know they're they're doing a lot of them are doing and playing a lot of football overseas they arrive late uh, a good number of them those ones mainly the ones who are up in the that weren't on the list and uh, they'll recover over the next day so we'll train them hard tomorrow and then we fly out Saturday to play Sunday. How hard would it be to drop players who got into the World Cup if you decide that's what you need to do? Yeah, well, look, I think <clears throat> it's it's the worst part of this job is disappointing people, you know. I, you know, every camp, every time uh, you pick a squad, you're ringing probably 20 players that and telling them that they're not in the squad and giving them some type of explanation and uh, <clears throat> about what they're not. And, you know, they're all desperate to be here, but unfortunately I only can pick 26 and uh, that's the way it is. The way that you play in possession is a little, you know, mix it up a bit. Also the fullbacks going in sometimes and the way yeah. you're trying to play out, and it's hard after barely any training sessions. But realistically, how many... How many different things can you chuck at them in preparation for the World Cup when you've only got that week yeah, before yeah. the World Cup? Yeah, probably three things, three or four things. You know, you can't uh, give them too many messages and too many different things, otherwise it becomes con you know, confusing. But, uh, <clears throat> you know, the hardest thing to change in one session is their habits of what they do at their clubs. You know, Frank Karasic is uh, an overlapping fullback that, uh, you know, in... Brescia and he just you know bombs forward to try and turn him into an inverted fullback is is quite difficult and you know and the same thing with uh, as I said I sit and watch these guys every Tuesday Wednesday to see what their roles are at their clubs <clears throat> and try to blend it together that uh, they come here and, and pretty much play the same role um, but uh, look it's uh, it's once a week we you know we did a week to a couple of weeks before the UAE game, and uh, you know, obviously there's got to be a big improvement. We won't we won't play anywhere near that open. You know, we were pressing high and and, <clears throat> and leaving space, and uh, that's what I wanted. I wanted a physical game, uh, a game that uh, the boys were pretty much man on man over the whole pitch and, and a physical battle. And, and as I said, we we got that. Was that in preparation for one of the three games? Uh, mainly, mainly around. I wanted to see how fit they are, yeah, and, and see, you know, <clears throat> some of them are not playing at clubs, some of them, are, you know, um, not getting as much game time. So, you know, it's hard to go from training and not playing, and then all of a sudden doing what I just asked them to do. So I take that responsibility. You know, we 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 scored the goal from it, <clears throat> and that was, you know. Pressing with the two wingers and the nine at the same time on their back three with Aiden Haristic uh, pushing through and Jacko pushing through and we're leaving a little bit of space um, in there where the centre back could go in, which was leaving one v one over the whole uh, in the whole back line. Um, the Kiwi coach in here saying that Hus told you that they should have got a draw. What was Hus's sort of overall? He's nice. He's been nice. <laughs> yeah, did Hus offer you anything? Oh, he uh, he thought that um, a bit too rushed at times, turnover possession, uh, sometimes overplaying, and, uh, <clears throat> and of course, and uh, but he thought that uh, we should have had another one or two goals. Could he assist you at uh, the World Championships? Kuz? Yeah. No, no. This Only is 
Yeah, it's for the hundred year celebration. Okay. That's that's all. He uh, he's uh, you know he's made a big sacrifice to come out. As I said, my assistants over there watching France and and uh, Denmark now, and uh, Chris has come out to uh, obviously to to help with the hundred year celebration. He wanted to be part of it, and uh, that's it. There were a few alarming moments in the opening yeah. three minutes, mostly centred around Trent. Yep. Is the Qatali going to make him sharp enough? That's a great question. It's one I have to keep watching, and uh, you know, as well as watching Harry, uh, Harry Sutter, and 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 Kai Rolls, and that. So, this is the purpose of this. <coughs> um, these two games is is a plan B or plan C if if someone gets injured. If someone, if something happens to someone, I have to know who's next, and and make sure that uh, they're ready as well. Do you have a special preparation for the heat in Qatar? Nah, look, the air-conditioned stadiums are fantastic. It was hotter tonight, much hotter tonight than we've ever played in Qatar. The uh, yes, the heat outside the stadium, but that's why they've moved the World Cup to November because it's probably 30 degrees instead of 55. And we've been there when it's been 55. So <clears throat> the air-conditioned stadiums are fantastic. Is Bailey definitely going to New Zealand? Bailey Yeah, it's great news. He had a, a baby girl, and uh, <clears throat> we were waiting. Obviously, he was he was wanting to come here uh, for this first game, but uh, you know, it's it's a friendly game. The most important thing is his wife and, and children, and that they're okay. And, uh, and he's had the baby, so he'll. Uh, if available, I'll find out tonight. When I get back to the hotel, I'll give him a call. If he still can come, uh, then he'll go straight to New Zealand. How are we ladies and gents? Scored his first goal on home soil. Socceroos today. Feel good off the boot, Ella? Yeah, it's nice. Um, obviously, to be home again. Uh, and it's first goal in home soil. I've been waiting for, for a long time, and it's been my biggest wish. So. Um, it's nice to, to score at home and get a win, of course. So, Who was here to watch it or who was watching back home? It's already got in touch about some. Yeah, um, actually nobody knows, but it's been a tough week for, um, for our family because we lost one of our friends over the weekend. So uh, that was really, everybody couldn't come down here because of that. So uh, that goal was dedicated to, to the one we lost. Um, but, you know, it's a good feeling now to, to get that win and... And yeah, I have some uncles here, as you know, us Africans, we have a lot of cousins everywhere. So, <laughs> so it was good um, to, to, yeah, to get the win and also to see their faces and give them a hug, of course, because of Corona, we haven't been able to get really close to, to our loved ones. Your uh, younger brothers, are they going to say that they can score a better goal than that? Oh yeah, hundred percent. They will, they will always think they can uh, do that. And um, I'll let them do that, but um, when they get to this level, then <laughs> then I'll give him a uh, give him a hand. Uh, you know, to score a goal like that is it's a dream goal. To be honest, um, I still haven't looked at it yet, but it felt really nice. You know, the way we uh, the way we organized as a team today, I think was was top. Uh, the movement of Jacko Aziz really helped. You know, uh, we understand each other. When to go inside, when to go outside. So um, that 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 movement was uh, something beneficial for all of us and to confuse our position. So that was nice. Arnie said he thought you guys lost the physical battle today against New Zealand. I mean, what did you think of the overall performance then? How much room you have to improve before the World Cup? 
Yeah, uh, Annie, yeah, he did say that, but uh, we won the game, so it was, that's the most important. Uh, but obviously, we'll look at the things we didn't do well. Um, if that's the physical side of things, we will work on that. Um, but we, we knew New Zealand would be physical, so um, we needed to match them in or taking advantage in another way. And uh, I think we did that with the ball. So I think overall we're happy, but of course you can always improve. So I think uh, we're going to try to be in the gym and get stronger.